Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to the Finding Islam podcast. This is episode three of our podcast. I'm your host, Abir, lifestyle editor for Finding Islam. Joining me for today's podcast is uh, Brother Shiroz and Brother Sayam. Uh, Sayam is uh, part of the, he's our advisor for the Finding Islam project and the the, uh, the originator of the project. And we're very happily uh, and graciously joined by Brother Shiroz, who is a, uh, a filmmaker uh, based in London. And uh, yeah, Shiroz, if you'd like to maybe just give a quick two-minute intro on yourself and, uh, and just so our audience knows a little bit about yourself. Assalamu uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Mashallah, the project sounds fantastic, so it's really humbling to be a part of it. Um, not too much to say. Um, I'm a filmmaker, so I kind of write and direct my own content. Um, it's mainly kind of narrative drama, um, and I'm hopefully building up to the point where I can direct my first feature film. Um, so feature film, if anyone doesn't know, is like a, the kind of two hour film that you um, would watch in a cinema um, when those things still existed. And um, or kind of TV drama, so like a high end TV drama, which these days is similar to um, similar to like feature films. Um, on the side, well, not on the side, like this is kind of the stuff I do on the side, but as my primary job to build up to that level, um, I work as a director's assistant within the film and TV industry. Um, so Alhamdulillah, a couple of years ago, I um, was able to kind of enter this industry and now on um, different TV shows and films and stuff, I assist the directors to make whatever they want to make. Um, and yeah, just... You know, I've, I've kind of not had really formal training in it. Um, it was just something that I wanted to do from a very, very young age. And uh, I did a few different things that kind of led me up to this path. And um, it's been a long journey. And I finally feel like I'm hopefully um, kind of on the road to get somewhere. Inshallah. Inshallah. Fantastic. Yeah, I think um, what's yeah what's so interesting about kind of your career is how it got started because like a typical desi fashion you didn't you didn't immediately kind of uh, you know study the creative arts and you weren't kind of going in a creative direction you know through like your education you know you studied a, a bachelor's in, in mathematics correct and yeah. um it was kind of how during you your degree, degree yeah <laughs> i'm wondering uh, the same so i mean depending on like it's got so many purposes like one is uh decoration for the wall one is um to, you know it, it populates my parents whatsapp screens so that they can send it to their friends to be proud of um if anyone ever needs toilet paper or anything like you know alhamdulillah i've got, I've got a good degree you know so if anything happens during lockdown, you know, I'm prepared with some extra paper. Um, but no, to, yeah, to be serious, like I've, um, I'm very, very grateful to have a degree. You know, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to go to university. And so it's uh, um, a huge kind of blessing from Allah. I didn't want to uh, in the first place, but it, it is the path that I ended up going down. And I haven't used it since, uh, like I haven't used a piece of paper since I graduated, but um, you know, inevitably in those three years and to have that privilege, you do gain skills and contacts and networks and some kind of, um, you know, benefits in society. So, yeah, I mean, I've not used the paper, but Alhamdulillah, yeah, I've, I've definitely benefited from it. Alhamdulillah. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly not a situation that's like unique to yourself. Like even taking Siam and myself, you know, I studied chemical engineering. I work as an engineer. Siam studied law, works as a, as a lawyer. Um, but we're still 
you know both people with creative interests and you know Sam's himself is very much into filmmaking I'm I I haven't done much filmmaking it's, it's a, something I want to delve more into and through kind of projects like Finding Islam I'm doing a lot of writing and creative writing things like that um mm. but I think one thing um I imagine that helped you kind of realize your passion for filmmaking and kind of uh, creative outlets were things like YouTube and how you would make kind of those skits and things like that which is how a lot of YouTube creators and I think a lot of social media influencers get started really just they're doing mm. it for fun and then they realize kind of you know this is a they want to kind of pursue the, pursue it further and they're able to build an audience through it that way and build a skill set through it that way you know yeah, so I imagine, um, I imagine doing that helps a lot for you yeah for sure so I mean I mean the two things that have helped me the most are both on YouTube you know so one is making content which there's no substitute for that you know you can pay 30,000 pounds a year and go to film school um, and really the most valuable thing you'll get from film school is the opportunity to make films um, but you can kind of do that by yourself you know it was a little bit trickier when I was um, young but it's it really wasn't that much trickier. The, like it's it's a lot easier now because of phones, right? Like anyone has in their pocket, you know, the ability to record very very high level footage, right? Um, when I was young, we you know we were kind of just transitioning from like, I, I mean, I, I don't know if like we were just behind because I grew up in Abu Dhabi, but I remember us transitioning from floppy disks to CDs, and then um, so I started by making stuff on windows movie maker and microsoft paint right so we'd kind of make frames or cartoons on microsoft paint and animate them together in windows movie maker and i would put them on floppy disks and disseminate to like my classmates in in year five or six um the first one was called troy enter the matrix so it was when troy had just come out and we did it's still on youtube if, if anyone actually wants to find it but we did a reimagining of troy and the matrix um and then, yeah, then they like the first digital cameras had just started becoming um, something consumers bought. And so um, we didn't have one, but like my friends, um, my friend's parents had just bought one. And so we used to use that. And um, those could only take up to like 30 seconds at a time. So like we would, um, like when we'd make cuts in our film, they would be exactly 30 seconds long because you know, we weren't actually editing. We were literally just taking 30 second videos and just literally putting them together. Um, and there, yeah, there was just funny stuff that came out of that. And then the second thing is as YouTube started growing, because we were on YouTube from the day, well, not the day, but like a few months after it launched, someone told us about YouTube and we were uploading stuff to YouTube. Um, and then um, as it started growing, people started uploading tutorials and that kind of thing. And so actually most of my learning up until now uh, is watching other YouTubers and watching like video essays and watching like um, film analysis or that kind of thing. And so I never had to go to film school, but Alhamdulillah, like I was just able to pick up all the skills I needed off YouTube and then able to make my own stuff and kind of implement that and practice it. Yeah, it's 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 amazing just how much you can learn from YouTube. Like, uh, mm -hmm. especially now, like the whether it's something specific to the software you're trying to use or like, the camera or whatever it is, it's all there. Uh, it's it's an amazing resource, and like uh, it's testament a, really that. A, sorry, a bit. did you have a specific no, um, YouTuber that you used to follow, or anyone that was um, quite inspirational to you in terms of content or learning? Yeah. So you know, when I was um, 
kind of when I first started like learning stuff off YouTube, I don't think um, there were that many people like right now, right? Like right now there's tons, like you could literally learn anything and find anything. And so I remember particularly there was um, Robert Rodriguez, who's a popular film director. He started making the, um, he started with films like um, Desperado and then Once Upon a Time in Mexico. And then he worked with Quentin Tarantino and made Grindhouse. And he did the Spy Kids trilogy, which is one of his most successful ones. Um, so he's like a, a big successful director and his first feature film, which he made in Mexico was called El Mariachi, which it was very, very famous for being the $7,000 film. So he made that film in $7,000 and it's so kind of run and gun that if you watch it, you can see like, um, reflections of, um, the cameras in some of the mirrors and that kind of thing. And, um, this guy like kind of literally held the camera himself. He directed it. He um edited edited it himself um so he did all of this about i can't remember if 25 years ago something like that so he had a feature i called the seven minute or maybe the 10 minute film school and they had uploaded that to youtube and i watched that and that was filled with tips of how this guy made it um and then i watched stuff like there's a documentary called i think it's called empire of dreams which is all about how george lucas made star wars um, and just filled with like super inspirational content. And then there's this show called Inside the Actors Studio, where um, James Lipton interviews prominent kind of actors and directors and that kind of thing. And just through those interviews, you'd learn so much about the industry and you'd get a lot of insight into a director's train of thought, into what they think about um, and what would make them better and how they would train themselves. So like people like Steven Spielberg started by making films when they were kids as well. And I related to that so much because I was doing the same thing, but they were using Super 8 film cameras and we were using the very first digital cameras, which were really horrible. Um, like these are cameras that like right now you couldn't find a single phone that would shoot as badly as those original digital cameras. Um, but right now there are, there are channels that I literally think are better than stuff you learn in super expensive film schools. One of them is called Lessons from the Screenplay, um, which is this incredible film analysis channel, which, you know, Tate does a 10, 15 minute video essay on different films and teaches you a little bit about character analysis or how to structure your story or how to, you know, kind of like why a certain thing is working, right? And so these are all like storytelling techniques. Um, and yeah, there's kind of a channel called every frame a painting, which they don't make it anymore, but they did amazing video essays. Um, and then honestly, like my, the way that I've done this, right. Because a lot of people kind of ask me, um, about like cameras or, or other things like that. And I would always say to them, like, before you ask me, just because the technology is changing so fast and I'm not staying up to date with all of the technology. Just go on YouTube and whichever camera, whatever you're interested in, like if you're interested in travel vlogging, type in best camera for travel vlogging. I guarantee you, you'll find 10 videos with amazing comparisons from this year. So like the most up-to-date cameras and technology. If you are interested in making narrative, you know, fiction films, like seriously, just type in best cameras for fiction or like low budget setups a low budget lighting setups right or how to light a film noir on no oh, I budget love this. I, love this. I don't know if you know on instagram they have this called um i was an explicit word but it's like crappy rigs and so if you oh, hashtag yeah. that and it'll show you exactly how you can make something look really professional but with junk you have lying around and i started yeah. doing this at home 
putting up poles, string, the rope from my bathrobe, just so I could get some nice uh, rigs going on. But yeah, no, it's exactly. You get all these tips from from uh, people there. You know, so the first um, the first stuff that we ever made, right? We used to. Um, it was literally just me and another friend. And we didn't even have anyone to act. And it was, I mean, I'm talking about when we're in like year five and six, you know, we would barely get permission to go to each other's houses, let alone be able to bring four or five other people to act as actors. So we had to shoot the film and act in the film and do everything. And so if there's a scene with like, with both of us, right, where we're doing like an over the shoulder kind of shot, which is where the camera's over the shoulder, one of us would be holding the camera like this and, you know, just kind of making sure there was okay. And then, yeah. and then talking like this. And so I'm literally doing a scene acting like this, you know? And we, we did all of our stuff, like doing crazy things, like using skateboards and, you know, to, to have a smooth shot and just all kinds of things like that. That's the best way. It's, it's amazing how effective that stuff can be. Like, uh, I think you, um, like, I know some of the, like, uh, uh, short films and things you've made have been on, like, shoestring budgets or even zero budget. Like, I remember you showed us um, when we first met at the, uh, Femiso study session you showed us when your films inspire which uh right. you made on, on a zero pound budget yeah you know? and th this is um a film that has you know it's won awards at film festivals shown at multiple film festivals uh without spending any money which i think because i think a lot of people can get that impression that oh i don't have the equipment i need i don't have any resources how do i how can i hire people and, and the reality is if you are creative and you know, you can find solutions and ways around these things and still create something, you know, amazing, you know, which is really, yeah. really very telling. And I think it's, a, it's, it's really important that people do that because A, like, you can make this excuse for the rest of your life, right? That I don't have this camera or I don't have that camera, I don't have this light, I don't have, yeah. you know, this kind of, this level of actor. Like, you can literally make excuses till the cows come home. Um, but you know, the most important thing is that you keep making films and that you keep trying. But also, like, you'll come up with your best stuff as well when trying to find creative solutions, right? And there's examples of that on every film, right? Where, um, I mean, I, the last thing that I was in a, like a director's assistant on was a 21 million pound show. And literally on that show, they were still coming up with cost-cutting measures um, you know, where like there was supposed to be a car that like drives into the water and they couldn't do that. And so they had to like completely change that scene and come up with a creative way to shoot it so that it looks like the car's in water, but they don't actually have the car in water. Um, and you know, it's like the filmmaking at every level is going to be that. And if you can't make a film on zero pounds, like you're not going to be able to make a film with a with a million pounds, right? That's, it's just, you yeah. Storytelling is a it's a skill that doesn't you know it doesn't require money, and so if you feel like you need money in order to tell a story, there's a bit of an issue there. So I would highly encourage people to just go out, make stuff, refine your storytelling skills, and then when you do get the opportunity to really show people what you're worth, you'll you'll be so much more refined and so much um, stronger as a storyteller. Yeah, I mean, everyone starts somewhere, right? You know, no one starts with huge budgets. They all, you all have to start with, you know, whatever is in, within your means and then build things up from there, you know, and that's how you get better. Um, and it's usually with any endeavor, even if the you know the first thing you do with it is likely not going to be good, but that's how you learn. It's only by actually taking that first step that you can actually build upon it, you know. Um, within, like, your experience, have you encountered, um, 
like especially when you're working as the assistant director for example in a lot of these sets are there many people like yourself who kind of they just had a passion for filmmaking and, and you know independently took it upon themselves to, to learn that art uh, or, or what's i'm curious and kind of what the ratio is typically between people who actively uh, study it as a career path to those who kind of independently learn it yeah there's there's not um it's it's surprising actually like when you're on a film set there's not tons and tons and tons of people who are dying to be filmmakers it's an interesting one um the, the person who will be in a, a director's assistant will often want to be a director and so you'll probably have those people who are you know kind of making short films on the side and writing on yeah. the side doing all that kind of stuff and that's you know you definitely find that on every single production um in terms of people who went to film school uh it also varies but you definitely do find that right so the most prominent the most um, prestigious film school in the country is called the nfts the national film and television school and the last show i worked on um like a bunch of people from our office had uh, had graduated from that school and i was super lucky because i i felt like i mean there was there were you know people kind of at the same uh, positions that i was in but they had graduated from the production course at the nfts which is this incredibly amazing prestigious course that i've actually applied for the directing course three years in a row and not gotten in so this is like a super not only is it an insanely competitive school which it doesn't take beginners like you have to have made films at a crazy high level and won awards at the biggest festivals in the world to even get admission into the school so um you know like i yeah i just felt super super privileged and lucky that you know i've not ever been to film school and yet i was kind of at that same position sitting on the same table um but you yeah i mean what you do find right is it's it's a mix and there's different uh, positions on set so you have like a lighting department and a lot of people in the lighting department um you know they they might come from places where they're interested in lights they're interested in cameras they're interested in all that kind of stuff but not necessarily it's not necessarily something they're kind of doing on the side you know a lot of people like they chose a, a profession and if you're if you're really into lighting you might find yourself on a commercial set just because all kinds of different lights are being used and, and that kind of thing um film sets often have carpenters you know um you there'll be accountants on film productions right and so you can kind of if you qualify as an accountant and then you specialize in film finance like you can switch over to that so it's interesting there's a whole mix of people and interestingly enough like a lot of people i've met in the industry always knew someone in the industry and that's kind of a trend that i found which is that people who decided to be sparks or people who decided to you know be grips or anything it's because they had a their dad was a grip or a spark or their uncle was one and so it was a very easy thing for them to do and uh this used to be the rule rather than the exception which is that people would you know kind of join film crews because they knew someone and so like whether you call it nepotism or whatever like that was the most common way that people would enter the film industry um and right now it's less so but you definitely still do see that which is that oh yeah my uncle worked on this production and then that's how i got my first entry into it and yeah you definitely see that a lot i don't think that's even unique to the film industry because i know like uh, a lot of like rappers for example 
uh, start out similar. Like uh, they had like um, uh, a father or mother who was a musician or somehow in the music industry. And yeah, so they end up getting introduced to it that way, which I, I mean, I think that makes sense because, you know, you get kind of, I imagine you get exposed to the industry and what working in that area is like from a young age. And uh, it's not unnatural to develop an interest from it, from it in, in, in that way. And yeah, especially like being, um, you know, being being a Muslim and working in this environment, um, do you do you find that does that ever feel like a challenge, especially if like um, uh, when you're working as on a set that is is not under your own direction, you know, because naturally you'll be working, um, you know, uh, well it's someone else's show. It's uh, the focus probably wouldn't even be on Muslims necessarily. I I also don't know how many Muslims really there are in in this industry. Um, and uh, yeah, I suppose what would that what's that experience like for you? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of the times there's not um, many other Muslims. Uh, it's like, I don't know how many Muslims are in the industry. You do find them. Like, it's like I used to think there's no other Muslim in the industry, and that's not true. There are, there are Muslims in the industry. I have seen them. They do exist. Um, but <laughs> but um, there's definitely not many. And so a lot of... There, there have been a ton of instances where I've been the only Muslim um, around, and, and sometimes where I've been the only non-white person as well. And um, it's both um, challenging at times, but also it can be easy if, like, Allah makes it easy for you if you genuinely want to do something, you know, and I, I believe with the right intention. Um, if you want to do something with the right intention, Allah will make it easy for you. And for me, I've been insanely lucky where there's definitely roles on a film set where you're running around so frequently and you're needed so like so often that it can feel daunting to you know to you know especially in winter like get time to pray or do anything like that um i alhamdulillah i don't think i've ever missed a prayer on a film set i've been insanely insanely lucky right where you know, I've, I've worked with directors who right up front, I've told them, you know, I, I do pray a few times a day. Um, and so if, if I do pop out, I'll pop out literally at the time that is most convenient and it'll be maximum five minutes. But, you know, that comes with, um, you know, like you need to enter it with the mindset that no matter what happens, like I am going to pray and that is my priority. And the way that you do that is making sure that you know, sometimes the toilet can be like 10, 15 minutes away or yeah, like a 10 minute walk away or something. Like make sure you have wudu whenever you can because if you need to nip off and do a quick three, four minute prayer, you don't want to have to like go for 10 minutes and then come back 10 minutes and then pray. And like, you just can't do that some of the time, right? So yeah. that's setting yourself up to fail. Um, then, you know, use your use your lunch breaks. Like, don't don't just chill on your lunch breaks and take that time off and then decide that, like, oh, okay, now in the middle of shooting, now I need to nip off and pray. Like, no one else is doing that. So, like, don't be the guy who's doing that, you know? Um, and then the other thing is, like, there, there there is downtime on film sets, a lot of downtime. There's time when people nip off for cigarette breaks, people nip, nip to the loo, and if it's totally expected that anyone can go off for five minutes and do whatever they need to and then come back. And so um, I think you just need to be smart about it and realize that this is your priority. So I've been super lucky in that sense. Um, I've also been really lucky in that everything I've worked on has not, um, it's not felt like 
it's it's not felt like it's very opposed to anything that I'd like to watch or that I'd like to um, be a part of anyway. Like I worked for a HBO show and every single HBO series has very explicit sex scenes and this show had no nudity. So I was super, super lucky. You know, I don't, I don't know how I would have felt if there was like a sex scene every few minutes that would have made me super, super uncomfortable. And, you know, it would have at, le at the very least been a dilemma. And actually, like, not to um, name the show, but um, I was offered a job on a very, very prominent uh, Netflix show, which, um, you know, just, it's it's very, very, very sexually explicit. And for me, I, I just felt uncomfortable to do that because I just thought, you know what, it's just not the kind of content that I really like to be associated with. Thought if I told my parents which show I'm working on and they checked it out, like, I just feel so shy you know and i thought that's my litmus test like if i feel embarrassed to tell my parents what i'm on like maybe that's a sign that i shouldn't be on it so i did make you that said, decision you said something about intention it might be a bit of an in, uh, intimate question to ask but what is your like intention in terms of this industry so do you intend to be like a muslim in this industry or is there like a specific type of content that you want to make which is the end goal um so how do you, how do you feel in terms of like why you got into it? Is it is that the goal is like you are a Muslim but you are in this industry, or is it that you want to become an, in this industry to to make a specific type of content? So it's kind of both, right? So I definitely am a Muslim, and it's probably the most um, you know the thing I identify with most, or the thing that's most important to me. Um, I don't necessarily think that um, I want to be. I mean, I, I don't care that much, right? But because this is kind of how other people label you. But I don't really um, necessarily want to be the Muslim filmmaker or the filmmaker who is Muslim. Like, I kind of don't want to really be either of those, right? I want to be um, an individual filmmaker who's recognized for making good films, right? So I, I oh, want yeah, to be... Definitely. It's like, this is Sharoz. This guy makes really good stuff. He might be Muslim yeah. on the side, but he might not be <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like like Dave Chappelle, right? Like I love how yeah, yeah. Um, the, the rounds a few weeks ago, and everyone's like, I had no idea he was Muslim. I had, and that's that's just interesting. Yeah. But you know, for me, it's it's not because I want to keep my Islam to the side, right? It's because um, for me, I believe in Islam that we should strive to do everything with Ihsan. And if I'm doing what I should be doing with Ihsan, that means that on my own merits, that I should hopefully get to the point where I'm, you know, kind of reputed as a storyteller or filmmaker. But in addition to that, like for me, the reason that I joined this industry, so sorry, let me um, turn my thing on you. The reason that I joined this industry is because the most um, shaping or the most like kind of influential thing to my thought process and my personality and my ideas on the world, right? As much as I'd like to say it was Islam or the Quran or anything like that when I was young, it really wasn't because I didn't really start practicing Islam until I was like 18, 19, you know, about 18 years old. Um, Alhamdulillah, I was born into a Muslim family, but it just didn't play that significant a role in my life. But TV did. You know, I watched every episode of Friends. I watched, uh, you know, every film that would come out in the cinemas. Like, and that stuff made a huge impact on the way I look at the world. And I felt like I would um, experience other people's, um, you know, kind of like lives through being able to watch TV and film. 
And so if I look at my views back then, and even my views now, they're just so influenced by popular culture and what you see and what you're, you know, in what you're watching. And there's, there's so many examples of, um, of kind of issues and things that have become so much more mainstream because pop culture made them mainstream. And so for me, that like this idea of using storytelling and creativity to alter, um, you know, mindsets and combat ideologies, um, that for me is is very important. It doesn't mean that everything I'm going to do is going to be super political or super this or super that, right? Um, I'm going to do what I kind of see as fit at the time, but I'm hoping that my end goal is a place where I can make films and art that um, is super impactful and I can shape people's minds, you know, that can make a difference. And uh, an example, a, a really good example of someone who's doing that, I think is Jordan Peele, um, who through films like Get Out and Us and stuff like, you know, when you'd never ever see a lead in a horror film be a, a black person, he made Get Out, which was a film, which was an amazing horror, an amazing comedy, and it was all about racism as well. And I just think that kind of thing makes such a massive impact in, in culture and in society. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, it's, it's, it's often a tricky thing to balance because uh, unfortunately, probably regardless of what you do, the, you know, people will want to label you. Um, and the other challenge as well is regardless of what you do, there's always going to be someone unhappy with what you're doing. Um, yeah. That's just the net, especially with social media and how things are. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's just always people, you know, that will view things as, oh, you know, this is haram or this shouldn't be get shouldn't get involved in this, and it's often a hot topic, I think, with any uh, me- media that gets made by Muslims or is focused on Muslims. Um, and there is like there's definitely a discussion to be had there. Like um, there's been a lot of recent shows that caused controversy, like like Rami, for example, a very recent one, um, which. Uh, caused a lot of controversy around Netflix was the uh, cuties because yeah. um, I'm sure you heard, heard about it as well. She was, uh, it was originally, it wasn't made by Netflix, but they were bringing it on the platform. It was a French film. And uh, according to like the, the director, the the, um, Chiroz turned down. We don't know. He didn't name it. <laughs> yes. It could be, it could I be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's it's often a tricky thing because like uh, yeah, th- there's definitely a discussion to be had about a lot of these shows, like whether they're um you know good or bad or whether they should be you know uh they should be critiqued certainly. Um but I think as well as as all that um we should try and encourage like uh, more Muslims into this space. And also, you know, I think it is possible that very positive media can come out from this. Um like for me, the easiest example is, is Earth Grill. You know, like it's not necessarily uh, a show that's all about spreading Islam or Dawah, but just the setting of it being in, you know, uh, historically in a you know a Muslim country and uh, featuring you know Muslims who of course lived at that time and so on. It uh, it shows that you know you, you can frame something around Muslims without it necessarily without Islam necessarily being the be all and end all point, and yet still be effective at showcasing. You know many positives of our religion. Um, mm. You know, like Earth Girls become an international sensation. You know, certainly not limited to Turkey. It's on Netflix and so on. Um, so I think, yeah, there's definitely lots of ways to view it. To view it, and I think, it, you know, as long as your intentions are correct and you go about things as best as you can with Isan, you know, inshallah there will be barakah in the work you do, and you know, and it will still have a positive impact. And uh, 
be a, a showcase of positivity uh, for Islam, you know, even if that's not, um, you know, necessarily the pure uh, or necessarily the, uh, the the overall aim of the show, you know. Um, have you have you dabbled much with like um, kind of the social media influencer space, like particularly with Instagram and now TikTok? It's been a, a huge thing, and I see more and more uh, young Muslims getting involved in that space. Uh, do you have much, I suppose, insight into it or experience with it? No. I'm not on TikTok. I've never. I'm way too old for that, bro. I'm like. Um... Actually, well, hold on, hold on. I think uh, there was going to be a pause earlier when Shiroz was showing his age. People are going to be googling what on earth a floppy disk is. <laughs> <laughs> I remember floppy disks. I still remember floppy. So I feel old too. One point four four megabytes of space. Max. One point four four megabytes. That's. One fifth the size of a picture on your phone, like on a on a decent phone. You know? So yeah, floppy, floppy disks are interesting. But um, no, you know what? Like I I think people can do amazing things on social media, um, like YouTubing. You know, I I um, started up with YouTube. I started off with YouTube and and comedy skits. But I haven't done YouTube content in years because YouTubing is very very specific. Um, kind of filmmaking and um, it's just not what my goal is so I think people who are YouTubers are amazing but it's just not what I do it's the same with kind of the influencer space like I think um, it's amazing how someone in in their house in their room you know can can connect with hundreds of thousands if not millions of people and uh you know i i know people who have like a hundred thousand followers two hundred thousand like people who i you know just like just friends so it's it's just really it's it's interesting it's it has a lot of um kind of uh amazing uses but it's it's just not something that i that i'm good at or you know that i claim to have a great understanding of yeah, yeah what, i what mean do, what, do you, what do you guys think i mean asylum i'm assuming you're uh you're <laughs> Super savvy with your social media. Sam's on TikTok every night. <laughs> you know what? I I started um uh not started. I made a TikTok account just so I could see what it was. And I'll be honest, with no offense to anyone who has it, I think it's garbage. Like the right. the amount of content there that it's just it's dumbing people down, and the attention span people have for actual decent content is just going lower and lower and lower. Like if you look at from in uh, various different algorithms for stuff, um, the shorter videos just come out on top, and anything that's worth watching isn't going to be 15 seconds. And mm. I think the online space is just being flooded with just just irresponsible stuff. Uh, I think TikTok does some good things, but I don't think it's made for this particular topic that we're talking about. Instagram, I think more so, is developing. Their, they have their own um, TV format. I think YouTube is still there. I think there might be a misunderstanding of what YouTubers do. But I don't know if you've heard of a, a group called Omleto. They make some yeah. incredible content. And this is just on the YouTube platform. It's like they use their subscription page as just a TV channel. And the content they make is great. And that's the type of company that I uh, like aspire to like work around, um, making different content, but on that platform. But I do understand in terms of like, the influencer thing, It's my gripe is just the content. I, I don't think it's up to par. I think everyone is just flooding the space with so much. Um, it's lowering quality quite a bit. 
Mm. Um, I feel like yeah. something different. He might be a, a great TikToker. I don't know. He doesn't send me the link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah I I kind I I think you make some valid points because yeah I think like TikTok especially it's just designed to be a constant stream of uh, <laughs> entertainment you know there's like no gaps between any videos they're all short form videos um, and it's just basically decided by an algorithm what you'll see next um, whereas you know you know of course even like YouTube and Instagram I would say are a little bit different in, in that respect um, but yeah I think there's 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 a lot of growth in this area in general, and there's still plenty of people definitely getting their start um, from the likes of Instagram or YouTube or so on. Um, and yeah, I think I, I would agree with yourself the same as well in the sense that YouTube in particular, I think, does lend itself a bit more to be a bit more, uh, I suppose, a bit, have a bit more overlap with like traditional uh, films, documentaries and t- TV shows. Um, but yeah, again, with what you're saying, Shiroz, I think it is it's a totally different thing to be involved in that space especially since since really on youtube you do have to consistency is just so important you have to really be outputting such a high level of content and um usually it's very difficult to kind of keep to kind of grow on that platform if you're um making higher budget like higher budget or higher um you know have a higher timeline for 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 your production which well, i imagine a lot of the work you're doing um yeah. you know you, typical kind of tvs and movies and that kind of industry the timelines are simply much longer than there is for typical youtube videos yeah that's exactly it like youtube is all about consistency do a video every week a vi- you know if you can do like some youtubers do more than once a week um but yeah if, like doing high quality content a few times a month is super time consuming and um, the kind of stuff that I make, like it can it can take so many months if I want to do it well, if I want to kind of, yeah, just do it to the standard that I want to. Um, but yeah, I, I know people who just make incredible content and they do it regularly. And um, they when they grow, they get to the point where they have whole teams who are, you know, helping their workflow. Um, but yeah, when I was you know, like really young, like this is one of the first kind of big YouTubers um back in the day but it, there was a guy called mystery guitar man um and yeah. this guy used to make do you remember him yeah i do yeah yeah stop motion videos um and you know kind of original music tracks with with all kinds of stuff right so he might like bang on the table and then like you know kind of get like a spoon and a pot or you know like just kind of cover a song using that kind of stuff that kind of video like I can't imagine it would take less than 50 or 60 hours to make. And this guy is churning out twice a week, two of those kinds of videos a week. And so that is, that has to be minimum like three or four people working 12, 13 hour days all week round to make that happen. Like I just, I can't imagine it being done in any other way. So yeah, it's, it is interesting. But you know, on your point about um, attention spans, like the, the super interesting thing about our um, day and age is that very, very, very short content is trendy and very, very, very long form content is trendy. And the in-between is kind of missing, which is very odd. But like people will listen to a four-hour Joe Rogan podcast and, um, you know, and even watch it on YouTube. Like it's not just people listening to it on at the gym or when they're shopping. Like people watch this stuff on YouTube as well. Um, but yeah, that kind of like a 10 minute, a good 10 minute video or something, good 15 minute video like that is getting a, a, a smaller and smaller audience, surprisingly. Yeah, it's very I mean, true. I was thinking of that. 
I'll see a video and if it has got a number higher yeah. than one, I'm like, no, not today. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. To I'm, I'm the same as well, honestly. I'm, yeah, I am the same. Yeah, we're all. <laughs> and you know what yeah. the biggest problem is? Like, I've I felt this in my life, but I read so much less, and I don't know why. Yeah. Like, it might be because I'm I, I'm filling my time with five minute YouTube videos all the time, but like, I just used to read so much more than I do, and right now I just just barely read. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it's I, I relate to you there for sure. It's something I, I have a conscious effort in my mind to read more. Um, I even have books that I recently bought. I still haven't opened them because it yeah. just it's just it's so much easier, unfortunately, to just throw open my phone, my iPad, whatever, and just watch YouTube videos and let let the algorithm take me where it wants to take me, yeah. and then end up <laughs> hours later wondering <laughs> where did my evening go. Yeah. Um, Whereas when I was a kid. <laughs> It was so much no, easier when I was a kid. You know? up in, a dark, uh, in a dark hole with like a bunch of Cheetos <laughs> yeah. and stuff around you. Just wondering exactly. where the time went. Yeah, that's a good Friday night for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, 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 uh, it's very true. And yeah, I think it's so interesting that, yeah, lo like really long form content, like taking, you mentioned Joe Rogan's podcast, which I think is one of the best examples of that because of how incredibly successful it is. Um, not only one, not only arguably the most successful podcast in the world, but just in general, one of the most su successful forms of like a, a entertainment media in the world. It, you know, every single podcast episode of his gets millions upon millions of views, um, yeah. despite it being two, three, four hours long. Um, yeah, it's 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 strange that there kind of seems to be an in between, and like sometimes I think it depends on the media as well. Because I remember I I started recently rewatching like some of the Harry Potter films with with my wife and. Um, like the Chambers, Chamber of Secrets, the second one was is that's a three hour long film, and I couldn't believe yeah. it. I'd forgotten. Yeah, when I was a kid, I didn't realize. But looking back, I can't think of any like current kids film, especially that is that that is that long. Normally they max out at two hours, um, so that was very surprising. I think in general films have gotten a lot shorter. I I can't like I think the last film I remember it being touted for its screen time was the The Irishman. Because I think it's uh, almost four hours. There's three and a half hours, something like that. Um, but in yeah. general, yeah, it's, it, it's. I think it's rare for a film, even in Bollywood, which used to be the king of long films. Even then, like it's not as common to have like a three-hour length film. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting uh, how how there's these kind of changes happening in in in, in our media. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, some some of that also has to do with like cinemas um, just becoming a bit less popular. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different kind of factors to it, but yeah, I mean, when I was kind of, yeah, like in my teens and stuff, like we would be really excited for like Lord of the Rings or something like that. And the idea of three, three and a half hours was, um, was exciting to us rather than, uh, detracting us. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know for, for me anyway. I don't mind going to the cinema, but there's definitely times where I, it's, I just I just feel like I can't be bothered. I'd rather just watch it at home because then yeah. you can pause it whenever you want. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just be as comfortable as you want. It's it's hard to beat that, and especially now given you know the current circumstances. Unfortunately, a lot of cinemas are once again closed, so you're, there's no choice really. You, if you want to watch a film, you're watching it at home. You know these days, mm -hmm. and I suppose that's actually one thing I wanted to ask you with the current world situation we're in. Has that had an impact on your work? So I, I've been very, very lucky um, that it's like I've managed, and this is literally 
some amazing miracle from Allah, but I've managed to pretty much stay employed for most of um, for most of lockdown, and that's rare because everyone in my industry was affected in some way or another. It was very few of us who weren't. So the people who weren't that affected were people who were um, working in house. So when you're in a film production, you'll either work in house in a production company as an employee. Um, a production company or any other kind of media agency, or um, you'll be working on set, and that's more of a freelancer position. So you, um, like, when you're part of a crew, you just move from crew to crew to crew. So if the crew is filming for six months, you do six months on this film, and then you do two months on this film. Then you might do two weeks on this commercial, and then you, you know, that's really the life of most um, people who work on set in in the industry, and um, Basically, I was working on set for like a year. Uh, I first worked on a TV show and then I got a film. And um, as soon as that finished, like I had just had a baby actually. Uh, and maybe this is part of the risk from Allah, but the first break I got on that HBO show was very soon after having a baby. And um, it was a huge blessing for me because I'd been trying to break into the industry for so long. Um, so I'm so in immensely grateful about it, but at the same time, it came with so many challenges because, um, you know, obviously my wife was taking care of the baby by herself, which is in extremely challenging in and of itself. I was spending so much time away from my new baby who, you know, I was really just desperate to spend as much time with as possible. And, um, film sets, you're, you're doing like 13 hour days, 14 hour days, um, you know, sometimes 15 hour days, like with traveling two hours um, away to weird and random locations. Um, and then I ended up getting an in, in-house in job, actually. And a, a big rationale for me to get that was I just wanted to, after spending like seven or eight months on set, I just wanted to have a little bit more time with my family, um, have a little bit more normalcy, work a bit kind of nine till six or seven, um, you know, rather than just being away all the time. And because I did that, I was able to get furloughed during lockdown. Um, and then after the furlough finished, there were some other stuff that came up and then I got onto a production as soon as lockdown finished. So that's uh, quite a, a fortunate situation for me. But, um, but it did affect everyone. Like people who were working on from everything from Bond to Batman to like, um, you know, the biggest films and TV shows in the world, like they just suddenly went out of employment. Spongler, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy just the impact it's had, you know, and I think often it's easy to forget as well um, that, yeah, like you said, it's, it's affected even these huge productions. Like I know um, Disney's Mulan uh, suffered huge uh loss financially because they couldn't release in cinemas and it came out on their disney plus uh platform and and i think i think literally the day the same day it came out people found a way to pirate it as well which at least when it's a film is in cinemas it takes them a few months to do that but um yeah, yeah. and that 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 of course will trickle down to the employees and, and so on um the the impact of that um but yeah uh well mashallah as well of course uh to your your brand new child that's great news um a tough time uh i imagine to kind of be raising a, a child as well um just given the, the, the circumstances and everything um that's yeah that's that's amazing to hear kind of um uh how you how you've you know 
it feels like it's been so little time, but yeah, I forget it's been ten months now, really, that we've been in this in this uh, lockdown period. It keeps coming back on and off, really. Um, that you've been able to keep yourself going, which is fantastic. Um, mm. In terms of like uh, the projects you're currently working on, because I know you've done like a mixture of things, whether it's, it's short films and like documentaries. You know, these two t- two two types of um, t- these these two genres alone are so different and. How's the experience been like shooting between shooting and uh, directing like a short film and like a documentary and kind of do you have a preference for one or the other or are they both just kind of different? Mm, yeah, no, they're very, very different actually. And um, yeah, I, I have a big preference for drama and like like scripted fiction, um, so scripted um, films. Uh, and that's just because I watch way more drama and like feature films, like scripted stuff, um, then I do documentaries. So I, I like and enjoy documentaries as well. And um, yeah, I've not done that much work in documentary making, but I have um, had a, a big, you know, a very kind of big opportunity to direct some docu- like short documentaries for TV, um, which is very rare, like, you know, in Britain, for example, no one would let me do that because it's very hierarchical how they allow people to direct stuff for TV. Um, but I actually, like, kind of won uh, a funding bid uh, in the Middle East. And, um, like, because of that, they just kind of gave me a pot of money to, like, to, to kind of make the film that I wanted to make. Uh, which is very rare, and it was it was just, it was a crazy experience actually. Let me tell you the story. Like so, this there was this um, this film fund called uh, yeah, I'll just say what it is. it's Qumra. It's a Q O M R A H, and they um, broadcast on BB on MBC, which is the Middle East Broadcasting Center. It's the Middle East equivalent of um, the BBC, and um, they had this show every Ramadan where they'd have 30 episodes and each episode would uh, be a different submission from a filmmaker. So they commissioned 30, they commissioned more, they commissioned 40 films and then narrow down 30 films to be broadcast. And um, so I applied for this funding. Yeah, I applied for this funding and I got an email like months later, like literally like four months later, um, all in Arabic. And I didn't know what it said. Like, I just, my Arabic's very, very bad. So I just emailed them and said, hey, I'm sorry, I don't understand Arabic. Do you think you could um, send me this in English? And then I tried to Google Translate it, but it was just, it was really bad. And I think Google Translate's better now, but at that time, like four years ago, it was just not doing the job. Um, So then, like a day later, they sent me another email fully in Arabic. And I just like, I just didn't understand it. So I kind of ignored it. And I sent it to a friend and said, like, what what are they saying? And the friend also, I don't know if he was messing with me or what, but he just didn't tell me exactly what it said. He said, oh, it's just, it says that like, you know, you might be up for this and that, you know, they might get in touch or something like that. Um, And so I don't know what the content of the email was. Anyway, like a few weeks after that like i get a a phone call like super early in the morning like really early in the morning or maybe i I was just waking up late in those days and so it was like 1 p.m but i just used to wake up then but um yeah i got this phone call from someone saying oh hey um you know we're ready to transfer you the money so how would you like it would you like it like 50 percent up front and 50 percent later or how would you like it and I just said, like, what, what money? What are you talking about? And she's like, oh, the, the documentary fund. Like, you've, you've gotten the documentary fund. And I was like, wait, what? You're just going to send me money? 
And uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, just send me your details. Like, like this never happens. Like, you usually have to go through so much hassle to get a hold of the money, and they'll usually give you like hundreds of pounds at a time uh, based on your costs. You know, they they just don't give you money up front. So, um, so yeah, that was that. Like a week later, I had all of like seventy percent of the documentary fund in my bank account. And um, they they didn't have any checks or bounds. Like I could have walked away with the money, and they they wouldn't have had any way to even check that I had, you know, done anything. Um, and so I just decided to spend that money and go to Kenya and take a director of photography with me, and we just shot a tea documentary over there. Um, and they aired it on uh, the NBC uh, channel. So a crazy opportunity. It's not going to help me direct something in Britain, to be honest, because Britain's very hierarchical. But like, but yeah, I got to direct stuff for TV in the Middle East, and it was a crazy experience. Oh, no, that's... <laughs> I, yeah, I can't imagine the the shock you must have had on that on that when you were when you got that phone call. And uh, another part of this is like I was really struggling before that. Like it came at a time when. I could not catch a break. Like, I mean, I doubt that we have time to go into all of this, but like the amount of opportunities I've had that have been like, you know, the, where I felt like I've almost made it and then just, just it's not come through. Like I probably have like 20 of those stories just sitting in my pocket. Like it's just, it's a, this is the industry. Like this is the nature of the industry that you just get so close, but you're always just so far as well. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, that actually reminds me. I read, uh, you know, the the biography for uh, the comedian Kevin Hart. Yeah. And he has so many stories similar to that. Like, I remember he had one where um, he'd been, like, uh, the pilot for his, like, a, a sitcom that would have been loosely based on, like, uh, him and his family had been accepted. Um, yeah. And then literally, like, they shot the pilot, everything, you know, looks like it's good to go. And then they just, he just, like, his agent gets a call saying, yeah, sorry, we can't go ahead with this anymore. And you know to feel like to to be to be that close to like think that oh I've you know I've done it this is like you know getting a pilot accepted is uh, you know I can from what I understand is an exceptionally difficult thing thing to do in Hollywood mm-hmm. uh, or in, you know any any area of uh, for filming really whether it's yeah. USA or UK or wherever um, and he did that and then it got it taken away from him and then it happened again later. He, his sitcom was accepted again, and then, <laughs> then same thing, exact same thing happened. Studio said, "Sorry, we can no longer go with this." And yet, despite that, um, you know, he took it on the chin and kind of just kept going. And at that time, you know, he had many comedy shows and so on. It was well known, but he still was struggling, um, you know, in LA trying to you know get something big. And then you look at him now, and he's like the biggest comedian in the world. He's you know a leading A-lister in Hollywood. Um, so I think it shows you do you do have to be tenacious, you know, to work in this industry. Um, and unfortunately, it's, it's just the nature of it where things can seem like you know they're within palm's reach, and then someone takes it away from you. Um, you ha- you kind of just have to keep going. You know, it's it's a marathon, really. Um, so yeah, that's 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 really interesting uh, that you had that experience uh, and something you're so for, you know fortunate like that opportunity come to you. Um, and you 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 have a few projects at the minute. Yeah, I know you have um, uh, you you have a drama that you're going to focus on the Syrian conflict. So is that in production at the minute, or is that something that you you're uh, you, you'll you'll be aiming to do soon? 
So that's um, that's been in development for a while. Um, so at the moment, like it's not it's not being greenlit, so it's not really moving. It's a bit static, um, but it's something like I made a short film, um, which was a very 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 rough proof of concept for what could be extended into a feature film. Um, the short film is called The Letter, and that's online. And uh, the feature film would be called The Refugee, and it would be. Um, you know, kind of a, a true story of, uh, you know, what starts as a love story and uh, is about this estranged couple. One partner, like the, the woman is living in Britain and the male is living in Syria. And the male kind of gets, um, you know, he goes through a bit of a tumultuous journey, which is based on very, very true stories that exist, um, you know, kind of stopped by the regime, disappears for a few years, um, kind of appears again in a refugee camp in Lebanon or somewhere and, um, you know, kind of like what happens beyond that? And then how does that affect the relationships um, that you have afterwards, you know, in terms of everything, post-traumatic stress and just going through that. I mean, going through that for the person who's involved in the conflict is, is you know, kind of transformative enough. Um, but for, for people who are even loosely connected, who have family abroad, um, British Syrians, like it's, it's equally or it, it's, it's very much um, something that shapes them as well. So that's, yeah, that's been a project that I've had in development for a while and just kind of waiting for that to get, um, to get greenlit. But yeah, this kind of, especially as a filmmaker, if you want to write and direct, like you kind of need like 10 different projects at any one time you know, at different stages of development, ready to go. Um, and so, yeah, I've, just, I've got like, you know, a couple of feature films that I'm writing. Some are at script stage, some are at treatment stage. Um, I've got a TV series that I'm pitching, inshallah, please make dua. If that happens, it would be great. Um, I've got um, like my, my next, so I've just shot two short films. One of them is coming out um, hopefully next month. And it'll probably be on the MYM YouTube channel. So MYM is, like, like Siam mentioned, Omeletto, um, which is probably the best short film platform um, in the world. Um, MYM is probably the best um, youth, uh, youth content platform that exists, or at least that I've seen. And um, I've been really lucky to do some work with them um, for, for, for the last year. And uh, hopefully there's a 25-minute drama film that I've directed that's going to be coming out next month called Chocolate. Um, I've also directed another short film, which will be maybe coming out at some point next year. It's going to do film festivals. Um, and yeah, like my next kind of project that I'm putting a lot of focus into is um, a short film that I'm hoping to get BFI backing for. And that would, inshallah, be the short film that would hopefully kind of allow me to make the next project a feature film um so yeah it's it's a very like you know you need to be quite calculated with um the steps that you take and and i'm hoping that those are the at that stage like i would be ready to to take on something bigger and if anyone's looking if anyone's hiring guys i'm right here so so sure is you're not just a director then what is this director uh screenwriter normal writer do you do lighting? What's uh, what's in this bag of yours? I, I don't I don't do writing. Uh, I don't do lighting. Um, I'm so I've always said this, right? But like I would be a horrible 
anything else other than directing, which I think I'm okay at. And uh, I also write. Um, I can. I, I also tend to edit, and I sometimes produce. But um, like, but my main, the main thing that I want to do is directing, and I like to write as well. Anything else, I'm just a bit rubbish at, so I just, <laughs> I wouldn't be great at it. So these projects that you mentioned, so these are things that your your own projects that you've started from scratch, or are you like a director for it? Why are you writing for it? So how do these these projects work in your capacity? Yeah, so the, so my the personal projects, which you know I've just been working on for a while, are are all my own projects. And so you know most people in my position would um, be kind of earning money through doing some kind of work, either that's in the industry or that's outside the industry. So you might get like an engineer who on the side is developing their short films and feature films. Um, or you have people who work in the industry, and alhamdulillah, I've been blessed to be able to do that. So I work as a director's assistant, and I make my income through um, working on those productions. And then on the side, um, this is, you know, like what I do is I develop my own scripts and short films, and I get a producer attached to those projects. And then with the producer, you apply for funding, and you go and you meet other production companies and look for collaborations. And then you might pitch projects to production companies. Um, and so, yeah, there's just this whole portfolio of stuff that I'm writing or that I've written or that I've collaborated with other people on. Um, and we're hopefully trying to get that stuff greenlit. Fantastic. Sounds great. So, yeah, you have a lot of things going on. You know, it's not a case of, uh, you know, you have one sole focus, mm -hmm. you know, you've your hand in kind of a different of quite a few, few parts which is which is interesting um in terms of like other it's aspiring filmmakers or other muslims who want to get in this in, into this industry would you have any advice for them or is there any has there been any anything in particular that has you think has helped has been basically been instrumental in kind of getting you to where you are today yeah i think it's it's important to um like like we said before it's immensely important to make your own stuff and to not you know make excuses um it's it's super like it, it's a really cyclical trap you know where you can just kind of be procrastinating and pushing back forward and what i'd say is like it you said this first beer right which is that the first few things that you do will not be good and there's no filmmaker whose first thing that they ever did was good um so i would not be hard on yourself and i would absolutely just go out and make your thing um i wouldn't be too precious about this kind of the everyone has this like you know 20 million dollar idea that they think like oh if anyone hears this idea then my career is going to be ruined you know like it, it the reason that it doesn't work like that is because if you are going to be a successful writer or director like it won't be because of one project it'll be because you consistently direct good films and you consistently write good films so the idea of having that one project that's going to change things like it, it it won't happen because hopefully then the project you'll make after that will be even better and that's what we should aspire to um so man i cannot emphasize enough how important it is to make your own stuff as bad as you think it is as excruciating as it is to take a great idea and to um kind of see it a bit watered down just do it and the, the second thing I'd say is like write stuff according to, first of all, just write stuff. 
right? Even if you're not a writer, just write stuff because writing is free. Like no one can police your ideas. And so like, it's, it's just something we should all be doing. Right. Um, but then I'd say write according to what you have around you. So I've always done this and I still do this up until now. It's very rare that I don't have a bit of a think about, you know, the resources I have. So when I was a lot younger, right, I would be thinking, or take Inspire, for example, right? Um, Inspire is a five-minute short film that we had no budget for. And so we just thought, what do we have access to, right? Like, okay, we can, we need permission to shoot on the tube, but with a small camera, we can probably get away with just like, run and gun, just shooting something on the tube, getting up. Okay, train, train station. Um, you know, which friends' houses do, do we think we can use? You know, what do they have available? Um, which of our friends looks like a parent? And which of our friends looks like a child? You know, um, like, or, or has younger siblings that we can use as children? Um, you know, just like all of these kinds of stuff. Like, oh, my friend goes to Queen Mary University. There's like a graveyard in Queen Mary University. Oh, cool, we've got a graveyard sorted. Uh, you know, like all of all of those kinds of things, right? Like, write according to what you have. If you're writing a huge monster movie that requires like big explosions and stuff, um, you're just it's going to take so long to get that made. Whereas if you write a film about two characters walking in the park. Um, coming back home, playing FIFA, like, you know, just stuff that you have access to, but make it fun, make it unique, you know, say something, like have a voice, right? Say, you know, have, have some, something that you're saying through it. Um, then, then that's the kind, that is the film that you will complete and completing a film is, is so important. Um, and then, yeah, lastly, I just say like, you, you know, you, like ask for help. Um, YouTube is the best source that I can imagine. Like, there's just so much available online. Um, Google has so much stuff. And, um, you know, there's a bunch of us filmmakers and people who are in the industry at, at different levels. Um, I would be very happy if anyone contacted me on, on any platform and uh, asked for advice. And I would always try and make time for people. Um, I'm, I'm a very, very, uh, like, as in, I'm, I'm not like I would always prioritize something like this. And so if I even if I I know Simon was talking about like me taking some time to reply or blank blanking him for for a little bit, but um I, I, I like to think that, you know, if if you did need something that I would, you know, be able to respond immediately and come back to you and be able to to have, you know, something that you know, I, that I could offer. So yeah, I've got an invite to anyone who wants to get in touch with me through my socials or any, or email or anything. Um, and I'd say like just research people, like the, the, the key, like, uh, Simon mentioned Omeletto, which is an amazing, uh, short film platform. If you really, really like how a short film is made, look at the credits, see who produced that short film, uh, Google the hell out of them and, um, you know, find an email. And if you can't find an email, find where they work. And if they work at, let's say, big box productions, go to the contact page and see how do people write emails on, on big box productions. If there's a guy called John Malcolm, is it don.malcolm at big box productions? And if that is the way that people have their emails, then you can kind of figure out anyone's email. Right. So that's, that's what I've always done, which is like, no, most of these people's emails aren't public, but like you can figure their emails out. Um, so 
get in touch with them, ask them for coffee, you know, ask them for a quick 30 minute zoom, you know, say like, Oh, I'd love to get some advice. If you have work experience, if I could spend a day shadowing someone like, you know, a lot of people won't respond and a lot of people, you know, they, they might say they don't have any opportunities, but if you email a hundred people, you will get somewhere. And I know cause I emailed over a hundred people, like no question I've emailed over a hundred to 150 production companies, directors and producers asking for opportunities. And the 99% of them didn't, you know, have anything to give me, but like the 1% that did like got me to where I am. So, um, yeah, that's what I'd say. Fantastic. I think that's uh, not very oh, soundbite if you wanted like <laughs> a nice 10 second soundbite for your social media, but like, yeah, if you, I, if you I, want I a know, 10, I know round, the soundbite, bro. it's called, this is Shiroz's advice. It's called 99 slaps. You ask out 100 girls to prom, 99 will say no, one will say yes. It's the 99 slap through. That's what it is. Yeah, good way of putting it. But no, it's, it's, uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's absolutely very good, very good advice. Like, you have to just be willing to put yourself out there. And, um, you know, ultimately, like you said, you just need one person to say yes. You know, um, you don't need all 100 to say yes, just one. And that one opportunity can help get you, get to get you to where you want to go to, inshallah. And I think that's a nice uh, positive note to to uh, conclude things on. Um, Shiroz, really can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast. Um, care. it's uh, always a pleasure speaking with you and hearing what you're working on. iPhone, love your work. Um, you know, I've spoken to you before about your films like The Traveler and even Inspire. It's bar, honestly. Uh, when I first when I first watched it, it made me emotional. It was uh, I really f- found it fantastic and very uh, thought provoking. Um, and yeah, I'm just always excited to hear what you're working on and uh, can't wait to see your next uh, projects, inshallah. And uh, and I hope inshallah things go well with uh, the ex- very exciting step in your life, having a new child and everything as well. And uh, yeah, uh, can't thank you enough. And uh, we look forward to seeing your your work. And um, for all of our viewers and listeners, you can. As Shiroz said, you can catch him on social media and uh, his website, shirozkhan.com, to see what he's working on, any opportunities he has uh, as well, and uh, all the, his current uh, projects that he's completed. Um, so, Jazakhar Shiroz, thank you, Sayam, as well, for joining us. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Assalamu alaikum.